Welcome to Faith Church. We are glad that you are here. Um, if you have your cell phones, make sure you silence those. Also, just wanted to say that uh, funerals and memorial services are are special times. Um, they're, they're times to remember, times to honor the life of someone that we love, uh, sometimes to come back together with people we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, but it is appropriate that they are also worship services. Uh, and I say that because we can only face death because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ faced death for us. And so it is appropriate to, to use this time to focus our attention on him and to give him praise and to worship him. And, and so I just, I just want to invite you to do this. I know that you come from all over the country and all over walks of life, but um, what, a, what a joy to be able to gather together and to praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wanted to read a, a couple of the lines from a hymn that we're just going to sing in a, in a couple moments. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The call to worship comes from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to worship today. Thank you for calling us to be strong and courageous when we feel weak and helpless. Thank you for supporting us, defending us, but mostly just being with us as we go through deep trials, deep sorrows, deep griefs. Lord, we know that Ed and Mary are rejoicing now, but we ask that you would help us as we are still waiting the time when you will take us. Help us to worship you today. Help us to praise you as Ed and Mary are doing right now. Fill us with your spirit, comfort us, and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would, open your hymnals to number 521, and we will sing together 
My hope is built on nothing less. And if you would, or if you're able, please stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. He shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 40. If not, you can just follow along listening. To whom will you compare me that I should be like him? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God bless the reading of his holy word. One of the most beautiful expressions that God has repaired the breach between himself and us is that he welcomes us to pray. And that now as I pray, in the power and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may you join with me in prayer. Because you have a God who is your Father, who knows you, who is strong, and who loves you. Let's go to him in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, though we do not see you, we know you. And though we cannot feel you physically, you are present. We know that you love us. We know that you are the God who sees our pain and our hurt and our fears. You do not leave us alone. Father, thank you that even during these times of grief that we can grieve together not just in this short time of this service, but over the coming days and weeks. There are times to be completely alone, times to be alone simply with you, but I thank you for other believers and other loved ones who will help us share in our griefs. Father, I know particularly for the kids and the grandkids, there is an emptiness. There is a hole that is felt. And Father, I pray that you might fill that hole with yourself. I pray, Father, when the temptations are there to just stop and quit that your small, sweet voice would just say, press on, press on. Help us to do that this day. I pray, Father, that you would help us to walk with you in this life. This life is short. Where Ed and Mary have been and now are, we are heading to meet you face to face. And I pray, Father, that we might live our lives now in this world before you, that we will be ready for that day. I thank you for Jesus. 
I thank you that he suffered and bled and died when he didn't have to, to take away our sin. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure which one's coming up first. Josie, come on up. I just want to thank you all for being here today to celebrate my dad. He truly was the best man I have ever known. I was blessed to have the dad I did. He was the rule enforcer and the comforter. He was the fixer of Barbies when Sam would pull off their heads or legs. He was the fun dad that would bring out his drywall stilts and be a giant scary monster on Halloween. He would explore the woods and swim in the creek with us. He would be at every track meet, band performance, or any event that I would do. He moved me into college my freshman year on the hottest day of the year into a dorm with no air conditioning on the third floor with no elevator. He has helped me move numerous times in my adult life without any complaint. And when I had Emmett, he drove back and forth to Charlotte a couple times in one day because there was a gas shortage and no gas in Charlotte, but he knew he could get some in Morganton. Not too long ago, he and Mom drove to Charlotte on a Monday just because I had left my toiletry bag in Morganton. He would do anything for me, and he would do even more for Emmett. When I told he and my mom that I was pregnant and that I was having a boy, they were very excited. But when I told my dad I wanted to make him or name him Emmett Harry Vector, his smile got even bigger. I was so excited Excited, Emmett and my dad would share the same initials. My dad was my hero, and I was honored to name my son after him. Dad was determined to be Emmett's favorite. That title had forever been taken by my mom for the other grandkids. But I think my dad succeeded. Emmett loved him so much and would ask every day to call Papa. He'd point to the phone and say Papa so we could FaceTime. And Emmett now constantly says Papa, so I know that Dad succeeded in his goal to be Emmett's favorite. When I got a job in construction industry, I think it was at that point that I became the favorite child. <laughs> he loved to talk to me about work stuff and was happy to have someone that got as excited about construction things as he did. I was so excited to do some of his house projects with him and look forward to doing many more. He and I could talk for hours about all the stuff he wanted to do. Dad was the smartest, funniest, best storyteller, most understanding, resilient, compassionate, selfless, creative, supportive, hardworking, Florida Gator, and Green Bay Packer loving man. He was always doing something, whether it was working on the house, figuring out how to fix the tractor, or just enjoying the property. The back porch was his favorite place, so if you couldn't find him anywhere else, you always knew to look there. Dad worked very hard to get where he was in life. He could always figure out how to do something, even before we had Google to look it up. He once told me that he interviewed for a job, and one of the questions was, are you proficient in Excel? He told them, of course. He was an expert. And then he quickly went home to figure out Excel. <laughs> that was him. If he didn't know how to do it, he'd be sure to figure it out and be the best at it. I miss my dad terribly. 
and know that life is going to be a sad place without him. But the, but the only comfort I have is that he is back with my mom. They were truly each other's best friends, and my dad was so sad and lonely without her. I know he didn't want to leave us because he knew we needed him. But if he taught us anything, it was to figure it out. So even though it's going to be tough without him, Emmett and I will figure out how to navigate life on our own. And the special thing we have now is that mom and dad are our guardian angels. Um, I just want to thank everyone for coming to celebrate such an amazing man that I got to call dad. So what do you say about the greatest man in your life? I want to focus on his hands. I was always so amazed at my dad's hands. They were larger than life, strong, dependable. And since my dad loved to tell stories about his life experiences, I want to tell a story about what his hands mean to me. One of my favorite stories was one he always told me on my birthday. I'm the second child, the first girl. He didn't know if he could love someone as much as his firstborn. He said when he held me for the first time, he couldn't imagine loving anyone else as much as he loved me. Later, those hands taught me how to swim, how to ride a bike, how to drive a straight drive at 11 years old. (laughs) Those same hands taught me to hug my brother or sister after a fight and always help someone up when they're down. They taught me to pray and thank God for all my blessings. All the scars, cracks, and blackened fingernails taught me work ethic and to never give up. Those hands would draw the most beautiful house plans and then build them from the ground up. My most favorite thing about his hands, though, is the gold wedding band on his left ring finger. It told the loyalty, unity, and love he had for my mom. They were truly made for each other to create the most beautiful love story. At the end of his life, I probably held and observed his hands for hours, thinking back to all his stories from growing up as a kid on a farm in Delavan, Wisconsin, to 70 years later, loving and missing the love of his life. My dad lived and loved well. I will miss him tremendously, but know we'll be reunited reunited again one day. I love you, Dad, always. Good morning. Uh, It's tough. This is really tough. Uh, In the span of only 15 weeks, we've once again gathered to celebrate the life of someone we all love. For those who have traveled long distances, who've reached out to us during our time of need, and who took the time to help get this all set up, 
you have no idea how this is, you have no idea how much this has meant to our family. For a second time, we want you to know that the kindness shown has truly touched our family. Uh, one note before I get into the, the meat of this, um, if you attend our uh, reception afterwards, there are papers on the table. Please write down some of these stories that you have with Dad. We'd love to make a book um, of memories and would love to, to hear some of the stories that, that some of you guys had with him. Because to celebrate the life of my dad, we have to really celebrate the stories he experienced throughout his life. He was a man of incredible stories and ridiculous situations. I'm sure many of you have sat through many of his more famous versions. For us kids, it meant hearing the same tales over and over again as he regaled family and friends with his antics. If you knew Dad long enough, you're bound to have sat through a version or two of the same story. My father loved telling stories, and he loved telling stories about growing up on the farm in Wisconsin. He would tell the story about running around with his brothers and cousins, stealing golf balls from the course next to their field. They would hide in a ditch, wait for someone to take a shot, and run out onto the fairway stealing the live ball. Golf balls. Poor guy probably hit the, the shot of his life and is missing. The fun was always in running away and avoiding getting caught. He would mention taking care of the cows day and night, covering himself in filth, but yet still finding a way to make it to school without smelling like a farm boy. But the best stories, <laughs> but the best stories of growing up always involved his brothers, especially the story he would always tell of tying up and hanging his little brother Steve upside down in the loft and leaving him there for hours. He would also want me to mention that Steve absolutely deserved it. After Wisconsin came Florida in the high school years in Winter Haven, Dad would proudly say that he was, a, he was able to avoid the typical hazing that the freshmen had with pushing pennies with their nose across the floor. No one wanted to mess with a corn-fed Midwesterner in his prime. His work ethic certainly shined when the Blue Devils football team found themselves inundated with additional people trying out for the team after the integration of the school system. Dad would mention how he was able to rally through the extra grueling two-a-days that found half the recruits quitting within the first week. The heat and humidity washed out most of the field, yet Dad's sheer determination to make the team got him on. One thing my dad knew from early on was who he was as a person. He knew what he wanted and would work tirelessly to get there. This manifested itself many ways during my father's freshman or college years. He was always proud to be a Florida Gator, but it was not always easy sailing. He learned a lot about respect for himself and for others with dealing with bad roommates and bad dorm rooms. Dad would talk about the social upheaval that happened right outside the dorms and that he avoided the hippies at all costs. Eventually, this led to my dad moving off campus and living in a shack under a tree, which sounds something like a hippie would do. <laughs> As part of finding himself, he switched majors from architecture to construction management. He says it was because it was more interesting, but I'm pretty sure we all know it's because dad couldn't sit long enough to draw a plan. After college were dad's wandering years. He knew he didn't want to continue in the, his father's garbage business, and it gave him an itch to travel. 
Looking for work, he eventually found his way from Florida all the way back up to the Midwest into a little town of Norwood, Minnesota. Dad was the most eligible bachelor in town, and everybody knew it, especially the Bergmans. Within his first week at Fullerton Lumber, he made quite an impression on two particular ladies at the bank. Mom's sisters immediately hatched a plan, and they started the process of the sneakiest arranged marriage in the Midwest. Peggy, one of the sisters, offered Dad an apartment to rent above her house, while Rosalie invited him to a business booster meeting that just so happened to be attended by Norwood's other most eligible bachelorette, Mom. Once they became acquaintances, the clan ratcheted up the attention by sending the Bergman kids over to Dad's to play with the dog. To get his attention, they proceeded to pelt windows with snowballs until the glass shattered. They certainly had his attention now. He finally realized that it was a battle he could not win and finally asked Mom out on a date. A short courtship later, they were married and set off on adventures for building lives together. I grew up in a carpenter's home, a home with everything we needed, yet always had something new being added, changed, or remodeled. Dad loved his work. He was called to it. He had the strength and stamina unparalleled in this world. There was no one I've ever known that could outwork my father. He built projects that would stand the test of time. Now, I watched all of this as a kid and lacked the skills to truly appreciate it. I saw construction as torture, a job that meant sweating, strained backs, and overall misery. When I got into college, I saw my opportunity to move forward and go to a world that did anything but construction. So, got my psychology degree, my business management degree, and then an MBA. And it's kind of funny how God's plan works out. Because when I finally finished college, six years later, I had three degrees and couldn't find a job. Dad saw this as his chance. Vector builders. The idea that he would know the construction side of things and I would handle the business. The truth of the matter is that my real schooling didn't really start until we broke ground on our first house. I learned more in that first year with Dad than I ever did at Appalachian. The Ed Vector School of Hard Knocks was in full force, and I was fortunate to be enrolled. That time spending a business also built a new relationship with my father. Adults, men, working together for ourselves and our families. I realized I had learned all the right lessons as a kid, but this time I appreciated it. I understood it. And his unwavering dedication to model the right behavior at all times remains the biggest influence on me as a husband, father, and teacher in my own right. Working with Dad also had its own adventures and created new stories. We all knew that Dad would pass away one day, but I would guess that everyone here would say that it would certainly not be from any kind of head injury. The man had the hardest, in the most literal sense, head in the entire world. His noggin was a magnet for anything remotely able to strike it. The only time I ever saw my father curse was generally when some sort of nasty object knocked him upside the head. 
As an elementary student, I distinctly remember Dad bringing me on to a job only to see him get hit by a cement truck. The truck backed up, and all of a sudden, a giant metal ladder came swinging down and <laughs> crashed into the side of his head. The man barely, barely missed a beat. He bandaged it up, and we all took a good long trip to the emergency room and walked away with only stitches. Dad did not go bald due to age. His hair was simply too scared to keep growing. <laughs> My dad loved animals, especially dogs. We had chickens, goats, pigs on Red Acres Farm, and of course, my two little sisters. <laughs> but it was dogs that really caught my dad's heart. Whether he bought a dog, rescued him, or adopted them for a time, there was always dogs in our lives. He cared for each one with a gentleness that only really shines in the strongest of men. And even as his strength waned in his final days, he was never weak. After my funeral, I'm sorry, after my mom's funeral, his ailments kept piling up. COVID, the flu, pneumonia, rhinovirus, cancer. But each one of these, each one of these illnesses could have taken countless lives individually. But it took all of them to take my dad. And he didn't go easy. He fought them all longer than the doctors expected. Even when they were all certain he'd lose, he kept fighting. And he didn't lose. He didn't lose at all. He won. He won that trick back home to our Heavenly Father and the love of his life, my mom. My dad was strong and determined and kind and respectful with an unwavering work ethic driven by faith and love of family. These are the traits of a man of character. I learned so much from him about being a good man. And though I wasn't done learning, I'll honor him and how I impart these lessons on the next generation. And we will always continue to tell his stories. Just like the story of running around with his brothers and cousins stealing golf balls from the course next to their field. They would run into a ditch and wait for someone to take a shot and run onto the fairway to, to steal a live ball. It could have been the best shot of somebody's life, and it's gone. The fun was always been running away and avoiding getting caught. Thank you all for being here and listening to the stories of my father. Thank you. myself. 
Uh, I had the privilege to be one of those guys that got to work with Ed. And as someone who has done a lot of work myself and even led work projects, I always enjoyed working with Ed because all the pressure was off. He always knew what to do, and I could just be a laborer with him. And it was always just a joy uh, to work with him. He, uh, he would often tell me when, he, when we were working on some particular detail of trim that nobody ever would see, I'd say, Ed, do we have to really worry about that piece of, you know? He said, well, God and the angels are looking at it. So, <laughs> so now he's up there looking at all those little projects on the other side. Um, if you had told me at Mary's memorial service we'd be here today for Ed's memorial service, I would not have believed you. I knew that he was sick. I knew that he was fighting multiple health issues even then. But I also know Ed Vector. He, as is Ed, as Sam and others have already said, he was a picture of strength and stability. Uh, and I know that none of us gets to control our death, but it, with e- even within a week of Ed's going to, to be with the Lord, I, I, I believed he would recover. I didn't think this was going to lick him. Uh, but I did begin to fear that his strength might fail. And I just could not wrap my mind around how someone who had been so strong could now be so weak. And I know, as you guys have already said, that Ed was a rock. And it wasn't just his physical strength. He was a model of stability. He did know how to fix things. He knew how to face life's challenges with calmness. He was always calm. He possessed wisdom and love, and through it all, he just kept working. And Sam, the conversation that I will never forget was when you were in high school, and like most teenagers, you hated work. And I was trying to be encouraging, and I said to Sam, look at how your dad works. And Sam, without skipping a beep, said, Yeah, but dad likes it. (laughs) I had no answer. That was it. It does not surprise me that in his last days, he was working on a project that is still unfinished. He is reunited with Mary, and he is experiencing joy. But I would say for you children and grandchildren, especially, Ed's passing leaves a hole. He was there in times of need, and there's no avoiding the truth that that will leave a painful, gaping hole. You will miss him, you will miss the ways in which he could help you, but mostly you will miss him because he was there for you. And losing one parent is painful, but losing two so close together. I can't imagine. The best advice I could give you as you wonder how you can make it without your dad is to try to not simply think of what he did for you, but think of how he approached his own struggles and challenges in life. Emulate him even in your own weakness. But I really don't want to talk about Ed's strength today. 
I want to talk about his weakness. Only in the last hours of his life did I really begin to think about weakness. And I began to think about how we enter this world and how we leave this world. Helpless. Weak. And Ed was weak. And watching me, watching him in his weakness was powerful. I began to think, that's, that's me. I'm going to be like that. And it made me start thinking of like, what is it that makes us gain heaven? And it is not our strength. We are made fit for heaven in our weakness. And so I'll read for you today Romans chapter 5, the first 10 verses, and then make some comments on verses 6 through 10. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Verse 5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That is the working of salvation when God in His Spirit actually pours love into our hearts and brings about the change that we could not bring. But what I want you to see is that He does this. He pours this love into our hearts at a specific time, at the appropriate time, at the time that we needed. And in verse 6 it says, while we were still weak, In verse 8, it says, while we were still sinners. And in verse 10, while we were enemies. You see, God does not wait for us to be strong to pour his love into our hearts. While we were powerless. When we had no ability within ourselves to fix the relationship that was broken by sin... Christ acted. When we were struggling with our own selfishness, God acts. Much has been rightly said of uh, of Ed's unselfishness, of his love, of his kindness. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in his heart. 
Ed, like you, like my, me, like all of us here today, needed God's love to be poured out in his heart, in his weakness. We need God to pour his love into our hearts while we are sinners. Jesus did not die because you were strong. He died because you were weak as a sinner. We're not talking physical weakness here. We're talking the weakness to be truly good and righteous. Do you know at your worst day, at your weakest moment, on the day that you're ashamed of, that God can love you? And that Christ died for you at that time. Because if God can't love you in your weakness, then his love will do you no good. Charles Hodge says, That God should love the good, the righteous, the pure, the godly, is what we can understand. That's what we do. But that the infinite holy should love the unholy and give his son for their redemption is the wonder of all wonders. First John 4.10 In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God also loved us when we were his enemies. And in this text, it says, which is more difficult, to love someone when they're your enemy or to love them later when they have become your friend? Obviously, to love someone when they're your enemy. Many of you do trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been made a friend of God. But we still struggle, do we not? We still feel the weakness of our hearts to live each day submitted to the holy will of God. And sometimes I wonder if we're going to make it. And you guys will wonder if you're going to make it some days. Remember that God poured his love into your heart when you were his enemy He will see you through while you are his friend. He'll not leave you. He'll not forsake you. He is the rock. The bigger rock than even Ed. Ed's strength was a blessing to us all. But maybe the most important lesson that I learned from him was... In his weakness. Ed is enjoying glory now. Not because of his strength. Not because of his goodness. Not because of his character. Those are the fruits. Of what God was doing in his life. Ed is enjoying heaven. Because Jesus Christ was his rock. And his redeemer. And my prayer for us today is that we would leave here, whether we've been believers for many years or maybe have rejected God, that we would leave here today saying, I need Jesus Christ. 
may we all be able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. If you would, take out your hymnals to number 499. The rock of ages cleft for me. And would you please rise. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which float be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. The love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the help of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.